It's my great pleasure to introduce my guests this evening, two stalwarts of the panel and one neophyte, um, starting from the far, your far left, um, which is appropriate for the art critic for the nation, uh, Barry Schwabsky. Uh, he is um, um, the author of too many books to list and uh, the previous editor of uh, distinguished magazines, arts magazine, etc. Um, art critic of the nation, as I say, um, and he is uh, author most recently of The Perpetual Guest, which is a collection of his writings, longer essays for the nation. Um, and uh, he uh, is um, also editor of the Vitamin P series from Fiden, and P3 is uh, due in the fall. Uh, Leanne Norman, uh, is, is based, who's based now in Chicago, is uh, a writer for artcritical.com, among uh, a number of other publications, including New City in Chicago, uh, Guernica, Hyperallergic. She's a graduate of the Art Writing um, MFA program at SVA, um, as have been uh, a number of distinguished uh, writers and editors at artcritical.com. So, very much a welcome to her. And like Barry, Joan Waltermatt is uh, a regular on the review panel uh, in our uh, former iteration uh, on that in, a, in, a, in another New York borough. Um, Joan is a distinguished artist. She shows at Hyonas Gallery on the Lower East Side. Uh, you may have seen her solo sh spot at Volta in the, during Armory Week in, in the spring. She is the director of the Leroy E. Hofberger School of Painting at uh, MICA, and she's an editor-at-large at the Brooklyn Rail and a contributing editor at artcritical.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your panel. Fantastic. I see a lot of familiar faces out, out there in the uh, loyal crowd. Indeed, I see um, people whose work has been discussed in the past on the panel, so yeah, that's an experience that can be survived. Um, <laughs> welcome to, to them. I can see Peter Fend, for instance. Um, Remember that vengeance is the Lord's. Yes. So. <laughs> and, uh, um, but is anybody here at the review panel for the first time? Anybody? Ah, right. Excellent. Well, for your benefit and to remind everybody else of what we do, I'll just run through the, the format, the program. Um, we've all been to see uh, four exhibitions um, around the five boroughs, um, and we've put together PowerPoint presentations as a uh, reminder of what we've seen, uh, refocus, or for those of you, of you I would hate to say of us, but those of you who didn't make it to any of these particular shows, a little bit of a visual stimulus, and hopefully you'll get to see it uh, later. Um, uh, we will show PowerPoints for the first two shows that we're going to discuss, then we'll discuss it among ourselves, then we'll bring call upon the um, audience to you guys to share comments and views, and then repeat the exercise for the remaining two shows. So, uh, a great advantage of this seating arrangement is that the panelists can simply swivel around and enjoy the first 
uh, presentations. We're going to be looking now at shows of uh, Rashid Newsom, Stop Playing in My Face at the Debak Gallery, and Camila Janan Rashid on Refusal at the AIR Gallery in Dumbo. Um, so, panel, a couple of pretty powerful shows here. Um, Rashad Newsom, I'd just like to point out that through ineptitude on my part, no doubt, um, but for one reason or another, I was not, um, perhaps we were not, aware that concurrent with Newsom's solo exposure at the uh, DeBuck Gallery, uh, he also was participating, uh, he's also the subject of a solo show at the Studio Museum of Harlem, uh, which I think most of us have maybe managed to see, and, and hopefully some of the audience has seen as well, um, where similar material to, to that which was on display at DeBart Gallery could be seen, the uh, collages in the um, heavy ornate frames, uh, and actually um, uh, two or three videos, but one in particular, um, um, like the video that we're able to see at the Debat Gallery, exploring this issue of uh, exploring the genre, the phenomenon of, of voguing, um, which we'll talk about now. Um, but um, perhaps you could kick us off, uh, Leanne, and, and, and uh, just give a description of, of the show, uh, a sense of um, the balance between video and framed works, and, and the general sensibility and, and, and subject matter of this show. Sure. Um, so I think Rashid uh, Newsom deals a lot with um, issues in terms of um, queerness and gender. Um, and right now, I think he's focusing a lot on uh, trans communities. So this new work at the gallery, um, in particular, I think it kind of moves away from um, things that he's done in the past, I think more in terms of um, you know, looking at heraldry and things like that and sort of moving into um, more figures as opposed to scenes. So, you know, these are very, very um, intricate collages, um, you know, lots of different things sort of um, cut and pasted and arranged um, to create these figures that you, you might have seen in the video or if you'd gone to the gallery to see. Um, you know, and there's lots of, I think, um, symbols in that sense, you know, he's, I think he's drawing a lot from uh, Dutch masters, you know, um, he's looking at, you know, that kind of Baroque, uh, very ornate, uh, trying to replicate that, I think, through the, the collages that he's making. So, you know, even the materials that he uses or the images that he is using to create those figures, you know, lots of what we might think of as um, bling kind of appears again. So, you know, lots of, um, lots of gold and diamonds and, you know, very flashy sorts of things to create uh, these figures, these people. And um, I think this is the first time maybe that, uh, or I, at least I haven't seen before, um, these kind of have faces on them. I think that was different uh, for me. And, um, you know, again, there is this video um, that kind of pulls it all together in some ways. Um, you know, there's, there's dancing, there's voguing style that's happening. Um, you know, these sort of uh, very stylized, posed kind of movements to, um, you know, kind of party music that's happening. Um, so it's sort of taking what you see in this 2D space, this sort of flat space, and kind of bringing it alive. So it's the same sort of imagery, the same kind of um, 
you know, very ornate, kind of flashy backgrounds, um, you know, um, really stylized uh, dress and costumes for the people that are dancing in it. Yeah. Um, to kind of bring it together. Yeah, and, and at the Studio Museum, perhaps e even more ornate um, kind of interaction between voguing movements and um, um, a kind of video game um, architecture. But, but certainly a, a, a very curious kind of hybrid of uh, the Baroque with um, voguing. Voguing being, of course, that um, a technique of, of dancing um, pioneered by the queer community in Harlem in the 1980s and 90s. Okay. Anyone seen the movie Paris is Burning? Um, uh, which uh, I heartily recommend if you fancy a little slice of a culture that's um, rather vital, um, although actually maybe not so vital because it's, is it still going on, do you think, the voguing scene? Um, I think so. I think it's actually still pretty active in Harlem. Um, yes. I know there are a couple groups, um, you know, I'm recently familiar with a group called Ultra Red and um, right. that are, you know, doing a lot of... Uh, uh, that's a group, that's interesting, but it's, uh, in its heyday, it was um, a kind of competitive... Um, uh, sport almost, a, a competitive dance uh, routine, inventive, like a, a sort of break dancing a little bit, but uh, also involving uh, transgender and um, the dancers, the competitors, organized into houses, and each house had its own queen or mother. Um, and uh, so a, a very kind of um, vibrant subculture. Um, Barry, what did you feel was the relationship between this voguing culture and the um, the collage or the the video, the Baroque architecture within the video? Did you feel that, that was a um, felicitous meeting of cultures? Well, just as a um, possibly uh, pedantic point, I thought that there was more relation to mannerism than to the Baroque, uh, even though. Um, you know, I, I kind of did some research and I saw that in some in an interview, uh, the artist does refer to the Baroque, but actually, uh, you know, particularly this, these kind of collages with this sort of Archimbaldo uh, effect, mm. I think really has more to do with how I understand mannerism versus the Baroque in that the Baroque, uh, you know, Bernini, whatever, it's trying to draw you into the fiction, whereas uh, mannerism is about a kind of uh, pose that keeps you as a viewer at a certain distance mm -hmm. and uh, by highlighting its own artifice. And um, that really seemed to be the source of, of this kind of aesthetic. Um, for me, I have to say, uh, I mean, it was interesting at the studio museum, uh, there was a video that showed people doing these dance moves in a very plain mm. st kind of studio setting without costumes. A diptych. Of and so it was a diptych. Um, and actually for me, that was, uh, sort of the... That was the thing I was most interested in, personally, oh. of his. Uh, I, I, I wasn't very sympathetic either in the videos nor to in 
and less so, I'd say, in the collages to the um, uh, the highly contrived mm-hmm. um, structure structures that he created for his imagery, to be honest. Right, right. So we got two kinds of superstructure. One is the um, the collages are within these very heavy, ornate frames, and, but then there's also a kind of video game-like um, fantasy architectural um, structure within which uh, the Vogue dance, the dances, the dancers are, um, are kind of isolated. But, yeah. um, in the one at the Buck Gallery, um, it looked like maybe it actually was a, a woman dancer that was the main dancer, unless it's a very convincing. Yeah, um, it's hard to know. Yes, uh, obviously. But, that's a, that, but that too would be a pedantic um, point. Well, yeah. I don't know if it's. I mean, I but, think but the fact that it's hard to know maybe is interesting. Uh, yeah. I had. I remember uh, once years ago uh, going to a not so many years ago, but going to a performance of uh, the singer who at the time was known as Anthony, and it was he had done this. And collab- the Johnsons. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, and. Uh, he had done this collaboration with the video artist uh, Charles Atlas. And so they were uh, kind of, while he and his band were singing and performing, there were these uh, performers who came out and simply posed, you know, in the front of the stage. Uh, And then they were put into kind of video uh, behind. And uh, I was there with my wife and we were talking about it afterwards and she was sure that the performers were all women and I was sure that they were all trans, you know, <coughs> trans. male to female, yes. transgender. And we kind of had an argument. And then later uh, I was able to read something about it that confirmed that it was actually a mix of both. Oh, well, uh, so go. that was clearly... trans, happily commingling. Yeah, Very yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> but yes. I mean, I, th- I think it was important for that and maybe for this too that uh, you be in the space of... of Wondering yeah. and doubt. Yeah, I have seen a little flyer. So I, I saw a poster once put out by um, trans advocates, and the, the, it said, um, "If if you can't tell, you don't need to know." Um, <laughs> uh, so, which is uh, which is very cool. I think put me in my place. But I, I wasn't actually wasn't out of prurient um, regard that I was interested. Uh, but it's it's actually because um, it seemed to me that the the kind of from, from from what I saw from that movie uh, Paris is Burning, um, it was very much uh, a youth culture and a rebellious culture of um, um, kind of very marginalised outsider people, obviously involved in voguing in its pioneering days. Um, in in uh, Newsom's videos, Joan, um, whether at the uh, Harlem uh, Studio Museum or at um, uh, the Buck Gallery, um, it's a very slick, glossy. Um, um, very uh, theatrical. Um, how, how should I say? Very, very professional-looking, uh, muscular dancers in very elaborate get-ups, uh, set-up, uh, get-up. Um, so I'm wondering whether uh, whether this signif- signals that Newsom has um, has taken what had been maybe a, a marginal culture or. Um, a subculture has taken a subculture and sort of slightly MTV-ized it. Do you know? Does that make sense? 
Oh dear. <laughs> or is that too? If that, if that is a question that's unfair, just say what you'd like to say about. It. <laughs> oh, yes, thank um, you, David. Well, I don't know if your question is fair or unfair, but I, when I looked at this work, I felt my poverty of cultural references to enter into any kind of dialogue with it. So that was very challenging, but sometimes that doesn't matter. Um, if the work is strong and you can experience it in some way, then great. But I found that work to be pretty cliched just as an outsider, just looking at like all these cutouts. I wasn't mm. thrilled by the collage. It seemed like, you know, it, as I tried to think about what, you know, what kind of critical um, eye I could throw to it, I, I really felt that within all that spectacle, I could never really ascertain what the artist's point of view was on the things that I was looking at. And so I couldn't locate uh, within all the, you know, fancy special effects and these crazy figures. I kind of wished it would have been more edgy in a certain way. Like when you got up and you looked at the images, they were all just such, you know, lips and legs and mm -hmm. tongues and just stuff that you, you know, I didn't find that provocative in a way. Because, right. y you know, in Baroque ceilings or whatever, it just, like I, I would have, I would have preferred something that would have given me an understanding of where the artist stood in relationship to the image that he was presenting. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe, in fact, the whole is it cis, is it trans question is not so pedantic. Or, um, because maybe um, what it points to, uh, Leanne, is that um, if, if you're isolating um, sexy legs and uh, and lips. Um, it's it's um, it may seem um, progressive slash transgressive if it's um, if you're celebrating a trans um, culture, but if it, if in fact it's a, a cis culture, then it's just a cliche, isn't it? Now, doesn't there not come a point where um, a result of uh, the democratizing and, and liberation of, of um, people of different gender identity means that um, if, if, if a kind of stereotyping persists alongside of it, that what might have been um, subversive, transgressive, and, and shaking things up can, can very quickly just become the old cliche and therefore just another way of being sexist. Um. Yeah, I think so. I think um, Joan's point about um, trying to understand what's, you know, his relationship to that work, I think, is a good one. And also, um, you know, is it cis or is it trans? Um, you know, it's no longer kind of this pedantic question because, you know, the, the work at the Studio Museum was older. And I don't think he was necessarily, like, focusing on trans communities um, in, the, I think, the same sort of, you know, intentional or explicit way that he was with the, the work that's at the gallery. So I, I think it does become important if, you know, if, if you're trying to, you know, if part of the, the goal is perhaps to um, give a platform or to raise visibility for, you know, the subculture or a group of people, then, you know, maybe you can move beyond that sort of typical lips and legs and sort of mm -hmm. flashy, fashion-y kind of thing. Like, is it more, could it be more? Um, I think that's a good point. 
Yeah, but do, would you would you say then that there was uh, some other aspect of of Newsom's work that um, would would bypass that problem? Um, at what level do you f do you, do you find his work interesting, and, and if so, at what level do you find his work uh, interesting? Um, I do find it interesting, and I think maybe that's just part of my bias in terms of um, I really like context, or you know, trying to find out why people do what they do or make the things that they make. Um, you know, and I think having a little bit of a cultural reference for the subject matter that he was dealing with, you know, I, I could walk into it, you know, kind of recognizing some things or understanding, you know, oh, that's voguing or, you know, this is a particular kind of thing or situation that he's trying to deal with. But um, but it's true. I think even within that, that setting, like those things aren't necessarily... Um, you know, I think the way that the work was presented or, you know, what we saw, um, I do feel like, you know, in the larger scheme or realm of that world, maybe, yes. um, I'm not really sure if it was so, you know, such a standout or so different or so transgressive. I mean, I think those are kinds of images that we, we see even, you know, in the, the balls that still happen, you know, in some gym basement or something somewhere. I think you might see something kind of similar. So you know, it almost kind of begs the question of, well, what's really the point beyond exposure mm -hmm. or raising awareness? Yeah. You kind of want to see what's going on in the balls when you, <laughs> when you see that work, like mm. what's behind all that, because it's such mm. a facade. Mm -hmm. And I think Barry's point about, about the mannerism that it keeps you at a distance, it's like you're outside of this. And so it's, I found it very alienating, you know, and the technique and the, formal qualities of the work didn't bring me in in any way. But like what you're describing is so much more interesting. <laughs> like everything that's said about it, you know, and the person behind it, like mm -hmm. the whole backstory, is much more interesting than the actual work itself. Well, I think it's telling that Barry was, was more excited by the diptych. At, at, the, at the Studio Museum, there are, there are two videos, I mean, two videos being presented. One is a, a pair of videos, a diptych, that as Barry describes it is, is of two quite plainly dressed uh, dancers uh, going through the routine. So one was, I think, a much superior dancer to the other, but both were giving it their all, and it's it's a very kind of um, martial, some, sometimes martial, sometimes aerobic, um, sort of uh, quite athletic uh, break dance dancing form. Um, but then in the um, in the video, in the the main video being shown there. Um, an even more uh, big production, high-tech than the one at DeBuck, um, uh, sort of video game-like um, situation where the dancers are isolated in these very, very elaborate um, uh, superstructures, uh, figures sort of burst into flame at times, and um, uh, it's, it's much more Las Vegas than, than Harlem. Um, and it's... Uh, um, so... Yeah, it does seem that uh, what is most fascinating to many as a subculture is now just an, um, some another ornament within um, a more uh, glossy, um, slick kind of aesthetic. But, you know, then I think we also have to... You know, I mean, fundamentally, I'm in agreement with you. But then I also want to question myself about it mm -hmm. and... Uh, ask myself, well, is this a kind of, uh, 
you know, to what extent is this a kind of reflection of my own sort of fantasy about authenticity uh -huh. and, uh, you know, and maybe just as authentic is the aspiration that somebody has to be something that I consider very inauthentic, right? So uh, I don't, you know, it's just, I don't know how to, how to uh, approach that really, but I, yes. it comes to me as a question. No, I think it's a very valid one because, uh, yeah, it's not. Just because you look at or use a subculture doesn't necessarily mean you're in some obligation to be documentary about that subculture, even if some of your audience is going to be more excited by the subculture than your high, high culture, as it were. Uh, Newsom's high culture might be less, ex less uh, interesting at the end of the day than the voguing subculture that's one of his sources. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I would hope that somebody would want to make uh, a case for it because um, I, I enjoyed it, I must say. I mean, I, I, I wasn't riveted by any of it, but I was uh, impressed by all of it. Um, but the collage, the collage is much more Archimboldo than it is uh, Hannah Hoch, for instance. And... Um, the, and the video, as I say, is more MTV than um, than Paris is Burning. So um, that's where I'm left feeling in a way that um, I, I'm not going to get like hot under the collar and accuse him of anything untoward. But he's he's perfectly entitled to take this subculture and make something new of it himself. But it's um, it's a, it's a living and recent. Uh, subculture born out of real marginalization, and so uh, his is a very much of an art world art, isn't it? Or, or maybe not. Does he have a, a crossover appeal? Do you know, uh, Leanne? Does he? Uh well, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, maybe, um, you know, like as we're critics and we think in this particular way, but, you know, this work is in uh, Chelsea, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uptown at this uh, at the studio museum these really important kind of places so maybe you know maybe his approach of um, you know what we might think of as you know that's not transgressive or it's sort of surfacey or you know whatever our references are you know maybe someone stumbling into these places and seeing this work is is riveted in ways that we're not because they don't know anything about it or they don't have these other kinds of um, artistic or aesthetic references to um, to draw from, because you're right, it is very slick, you know, it is very MTV or Vegas, it's kind of like, you know, um, watching this sort of stylized uh, fashion show walk down the, the runway or the catwalk sort of thing, you know, whether it's frozen in 2D in these collages or, you know, you see them in the, in the videos um, posing and dancing, um, you know, maybe that is, maybe that's a good thing for many people, for them to ask questions and for them to, um, you know, want to learn more about these things and why why it's kind of a big deal for them being in these spaces. Well, it would be a big deal for a, um, for a Vogue artist to be in right. Chelsea or the, or the Studio Museum, but it's not such a big deal for R Rashad um, Newsom to be in those venues. He's uh, an accomplished... Um, right, but his, his subject matter, I guess, you know, kind of taking this marginalized yeah. underground form and sort of putting it forward into this. Yeah, 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 but we, I think we're getting into a loop here because uh, <laughs> it's his source. It's not, he's not just 
generously showcasing something. Right. He's uh, adapted something. He's, um, I mean, um, you, you could have some other, you could have, say, Katie Grannon uh, making a, a, some photographs about some um, um, down-and-out prostitute in uh, the Bay Area. Um, and you wouldn't say, oh, it's very nice for her, that down-and-out prostitute, uh, to be in a Chelsea gallery, because mm -hmm. she's not. It's, it's Katie Grannon who's in the Chelsea right. gallery. So um, do, do we feel he's giving a platform to voguing, or is it, are, the, are the voguers just his, um, his motif or his subject? That's what you can't figure out when you're looking yeah. in there. You come in and it's like, here's, you're confronted with all this stuff. I was trying to think of, for me, like a point of reference to get into that. And, and I, I could remember, like, Jack Smith and hanging out with Jack Smith and watching him make his costumes and, like, the kind of spectacle that he was interested in himself. Yeah. And you always know, knew where Jack Smith was in the story. It's right. funny, in one uh, interview that I read with Newsom, uh, I don't remember if it was the one that was in the booklet from the Studio Museum or, or another one, he kind of spoke of himself as both a participant in this culture that he's oh really? using uh -huh. and uh, as an ethnographer of it. And uh -huh. I remember kind of thinking to myself, well, but you can't really be in it and look at it from the outside view of an ethnographer at the same time. There's some kind of contradiction there, which could be uh, maybe a productive tension in somebody's work, but uh, yeah, somehow it, it, it didn't doesn't. quite seem to be either one in this case. There could be a conflict of interest, but they, they, uh, I thought I'd read, that uh, I thought I'd seen somewhere that there's actually, I remember reading somewhere, nothing to do with Newsom, that there is now a, a new school of ethnography that says you can't be really an objective ethnographer. You, e even if you try to maintain your um, aloofness, you, just the very fact of that interaction inevitably makes you part of the culture that you're attempting to document. So it's better just to get in, you know, muck in, as it were, anyway. Um, well, that might be true for ethnography, but it doesn't do a lot for art. Right, right. Mucking um, in does a lot for her. Yeah. No, but I mean, having this, the ambiguity of his position where he's mm. on the outside and not, and not clearly a participant either, I, I feel like that's, that, for, that makes it hard for me to navigate because there's no point of departure. But I think it's kind of you know, as Barry mentioned, it's kind of built into the subculture anyway. Like there's this, you know, you you come, you know, with your finest and, you know, your best clothes and your best moves and all of these things to, you know, even to um, the performances or the balls or what have you. So, I, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, even though we want more, like how much can he really give us? Because it's kind of part of the culture to kind of be held at a distance, you know, yeah. as you mentioned. So... Yeah. Yeah, because the culture is a highly stylized yeah. event. Anyway, it's a sort of carnival um, mm -hmm. type situation. Yes, yes. Would anyone like to make a passionate case for the collage? It's we've we've talked really more, uh, so much more about the source um, and his relationship to it. Um, I, I n no, no, sorry, sorry. Audience later, soon. Hold it.
don't lose the thought. But um, uh, Leanne or, 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 or Joan, would you like to make a plea for the collages? Um, I mean, I thought they were very handsome, and the frames were pretty spectacular, um, <laughs> I must say. I wanted to take one of those frames and use it for something else. But that's... Um, <laughs> no, I, no, I thought the... the, 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 I thought the um, they yeah, were, they're really impressive. It's true. Like when you look at the um, the layering of right, them, right? When you look very closely at the frames, there you know there's even um, I think it was fabric or something kind of in inside. Like oh yeah, some leather and then some uh, 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 car paint. Impressive. I think. But uh, but I actually the the collages are pretty impressive in the fact that they're sort of um, bits sort of dust and yellowy in a way that they're actually layered rather than um, seamlessly um, mushed together. Um, you, you, you almost feel they're dimensional. I mean, I mean, that in itself doesn't make them riveting. But uh, it's, um, I, I thought they were handsome and they're okay. Uh, but, yeah. but they're part of a, a bigger package, which mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing the panel is a little iffy mm -hmm. about. But let's, let's move to our, uh, to our next exhibition, um, to, to uh, Camila Jaman. Janan uh, Rashid, so from Rashad to Rashid, um, uh, but a, a, a very different um, quality of um, presentation and, um, well, that's a value judgment. Um, Joan, why don't you tell us about, uh, about Rashid's show? Well, I thought this exhibition had like all the potential of being like the most cliched thing you could ever enter in. It's like all this memorabilia, personal story, um, everything all over the room. And yet I was totally captivated by this exhibition. I stayed there for a really long time and I felt that the, the installation of all that work was spectacular. It just, I was able to, Normally, I really don't have the patience to look at something like that. So I, I need to, an assignment before I could actually look at it. And I found this was effortless to like dive into. Um, and that kind of surprised me because when I first walked in the room and I saw like all this stuff like pasted all over, I was just like, oh God, you know. And then as I looked through it, I found like the reflective qualities of her thought, the, the juxtaposition of like this Xerox material and even things that looked like they'd been Xerox of Xerox together with these old photographs from the 50s that had a particular sheen and color. The variety of values in there in black and white was astounding. Um, I didn't, I mean, when you go in the exhibition, the sound isn't, in the room, so you got to put the headphones on to hear it. But I mean, I thought it was, it was for me. Uh, it was playing. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, I heard it in the spaces. Oh, I didn't hear it when I was there. It wasn't ah, the sound wasn't okay. on. Uh, right. Um, but all in all, I was I was very impressed. I thought it was an incredible synthesis of impressions and information by what I took to be kind of a young artist. But I. I I'm not sure about that, if the artist is, is really very young or not. Any of us know? I didn't... Uh um, I, think she's, I think she's fairly young. I yeah. Think, I think so. Looking at Just biographical. By the subject matter, it seemed like 
um, working through like a family story and her story was very interesting but unlike the exhibition we just talked about I felt like you didn't you didn't really need to know her story her story added something but you could get into the work without knowing anything about her having any mm. cultural references for looking at the material and so that like opened it up a lot more and I I attribute this really to the structure, the structural and the complexity of the relationships of the way the things were installed within the room. Yeah. So Barry, um, participant or ethnographer? Um, well, neither exactly, but maybe more like a participant. Uh, yeah. You. I mean, I, I a lot of what Joan said, I would agree with, and I would say that I really had the sense of someone who is uh, pouring through a history looking for traces and looking for clues and uh, so but but looking for them in a very personal way or clues to presumably herself um, and uh you know and particularly how uh all the references on the one hand to blackness and on or not on the other hand but simultaneously or sometimes separately uh to to god and to religion and various forms in which you know the need for the, uh the sacred uh enters into life and into the way people talk about life and fate and so on uh, seemed, uh, yeah, very, um, very much in the first person about very big cultural historical issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so th there seemed to be a very displaced or deconstructed autobiographical narrative um, with with the montage, with the um, assembly of uh, uh, fragments of text and different mediums, uh, audio and, and, and video, um, and, and uh, sort of collage going on as well, um, uh, Leanne. Um, did you come away, what, did you come, is, is the experience we have one of um, being in the mind of the artist or did, do you feel she's um, um, rarefied concerns that are broader than that? So I thought um, because this was sort of a more, you know, kind of opening up an archive or opening up a process, it felt like to me um, it was really... I thought she, um, you know, like, so it had this kind of laser focus in terms of, um, I think she was combining some of her own personal family histories and stories, you know, around their journey of faith and religion, spirituality, um, you know, with kind of other broader things, mm -hmm. um, you know, in America, black Americans, religious, spiritual sort of journeys. Um, and I think that what was so effective about it is that, you know, there wasn't any clear line of, you know, this is about the artist, these are the things that she found, you know, um, I felt like it was really seamless, kind of weaving this 
narrative together from the personal and from sort of meta. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think, though, um, I didn't have all the patience for all of the text. Um, the right. images were really great for me. I, I really, you know, spent a lot of time with them. And, um, you know, some of the text I found more compelling or interesting or, you know, things that made me pause than others. But I wonder, you know, um, because it is an archive, you know, you kind of tend to just kind of pile things on and just sort of like put and take. You know, I wonder, um, you know, if she did this in another iteration or something, you know, if it were leaner in some ways, whether that would be um, fewer images or, you know, fewer texts or something like that. Would it have made a difference? You know, would would I still feel the same way or... Um, you know, would I still feel like it was seamless or would I be able to tell, you know, this is the artist mm-hmm. or that's, that's not, those kinds of things? I, I didn't feel a, a, um, a compulsion to read everything. It seemed to me that the, the, the very presentation and the, uh, the, the, um, the, the fact that she's taken a knife to this archive, so to speak, and given us these snippets all over the place, uh, beautiful, uh, kind of beautiful to look at. Just this this floating text, sort of pinned literally, very demonstrably to the wall. Um, but it was it it felt a bit like being in a sort of I don't know if you, any of you know the British artist Tom Phillips, but one of his um, treated novels, but without the color, as it were. So just these um, isolated fragments of text, and and such a um, a barrage of them that it, it, it became more texture than text, as it were. Mm. Um, but there were, whenever one did stop and read, there were, they were all on point, so to speak. I think maybe that little calling card, sort of mm. recalling Adrian Piper in a, in a way, the, um, uh, but that little calling card saying she doesn't want to be called Ricky anymore, She's, she wants to be called by her, her full name. And the full name is, um, I, I take it to be a a Muslim name, so is is that suggestive of um, um, somebody of Christian background adopting a, a, a different faith? Um, I mean, Islam is their faith. Um, there's that. There's this, the strange interaction, uh, as we heard from the audio, uh, with this um, uh, street preacher um, outside Whole Foods um, uh, on Union Square. I noticed. Because it's funny, because it was black and white, and the, the the whole vibe of the show had a very um, historic feeling. I mean, it, it felt because of the technology being used almost, and 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 the the the, the text, it felt very 70s. I felt like I was back walking back into the 1970s for this show. But then, her age and the fact that it was Whole Foods on Union Square <laughs> militates against that. Um, By the way, I mean, just to add in, in reference to that card, uh, I mean, maybe it's because I, had, I saw this after seeing the uh, Rashad Newsom show, but then uh, I thought more about the fact that um, the name was changed from one that is gender unspecific but might be male to one that seems female, and I don't know anything about this artist. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know what her, you know, identification ah, oh, right. is about that. She might have either. changed more than her religion, you see. Uh, right. Yeah, why not? Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, I guess anything is possible. Um, I, I thought of Ricky from, from uh, Rashad to Ricky. Um, maybe R- Ricky is a nickname based on her family name. 
I, I was would have guessed. Um, a bit like Barry to Barack, you know, sort of. Uh, do, do we have any s inside scoop? I don't know. Male, female, Christian, Islamic. Um, I think she's. Uh, yeah, I I don't know, but I I also feel like that was kind of part of the, the beauty of it in the you know the the religious aspect of it. You know, yeah, non-denominational religiosity her. kind of permeating from all the walls, right. as it were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't necessarily take it that this was a completely um, auth you know authentic autobiography. It mm. seemed to me that the lines between fact and fiction were wide wide open, and and there were. There was a point of departure in a personal story, but I, I didn't. I there's no way that I felt that was a one-to-one -one correspondence. Nor was, I mean, it w the way the text was in the room was so poetic, and like you mentioned, there was this point where she says, "It's not the text, but the textural texture." Mm. To me, it was just like one of the many points, and she's drawing not a linear structure, but a very complex structure where there's interrelationships between all these different things. And so I, I felt like it, the, the way it was set up, it kind of asked not to be pinned down to any particular Although point. Although there's a lot of pinning down. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but and, and, and also, it's, it's funny. It's when you say linear, it's, it is linear in a certain way, in a sense. And I thought this is one of the kind of virtuosic aspects of the installation is that there's, it seems to be scattered and there's all this kind of up and down and things on the floor and so on, but it, but it, but it also leads you through uh, along a kind of implicit uh, you know, sight line that goes around the room. And I thought it was so interesting, uh, just in a kind of purely formal sense, how, how the implicit line and then the um, counterpoint of all the the ups and downs and so on were were handled. I, that was the thing that was I found most impressive was the relationship between the the literary and the textual aspects and the formal aspects. It seemed like there were two languages going on there, and they were both handled very astutely. Mm. So you you know you could look through this linear narrative, but there was also a sense of how one remembers the linear narrative and what are the points of reference that one remembers because of what happens in the future. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point perhaps to bring in our audience on the first two shows, um, um, on both of the shows that we're looking at here. Uh, so any, uh, is there a roving mic today, Joel? Is that, uh, yes, fantastic, Joel has the mic. Do please wait for it so the recording can pick you up. Um, be uninhibited, but you are being recorded for posterity. Just uh, warning, as it were. Um, yes, uh, uh, I'm going to let Joel find the... Yeah. I had a question on the first show. The frames seemed really elaborate and deliberate, mm -hmm. and I just wanted your opinions on that if in combination with the collage. And just from seeing the ones you had, there was a very ornate square one and then a kind of overly one, and they were the others plain, or they were also as ornate, just not as Oh, uh, so what you were seeing in the PowerPoint were the, um, the whole frame with the collage, and then you were seeing details of the same collage right. within the frame. But 
I, mean, I think the ones at the, the gallery were all very sculptural. Um, some of them were shaped, and I think, were I'm trying to think um, at the Studio Museum if those were some of the shaped ones, but they were all, in any case, they were all really sculptural. And yeah, I that, that's his product. Yeah. I mean, that's his thing, isn't it? The, a, a very, very ornate uh, black frame that uses uh, how, uh, car paint and, and some inset leather um, in a very um, Renaissance or Baroque kind of um, um, structure, and um, the collage is uh, floating on a black ground within it. It all worked well together, in my view. I mean, the, mm. the frames were part of the piece, and I don't, it would be hard to separate them. Yeah, and certainly, yeah, and certainly in, in, um, in conjunction with the videos, the, um, not the video of the two dancers at the Harlem Museum, but the, the, the bigger production videos, um, the dancers are all set uh, within a kind of imaginary... Um, but very convolute, very um, uh, elaborate um, temple-like structure. Yeah. Yes. Talk about the black and white one. I yes. took it as a timeline, and I took the exhibition as an act of self-definition. There, we have a lot of history. We come with a lot of history. And she was picking and choosing, what am I going to keep to define myself? And I did feel like when she said, henceforth, I'm going, to, I'm going to be known as, it seemed like she was putting that name on herself, labeling herself, as she wanted to have it accurately reflect herself. Mm -hmm. So I felt that that, to me, it just seemed. And also, the audio, which I couldn't hear very well when I was there, but when I heard it tonight, um, there's somebody proselytizing and telling this woman, you know, you're going whatever, and she throws it back at him and kind of says, like, you're not going to define me or you're crazy, and doesn't take on the labels that the preacher or whatever is kind of shouting at her. So to me, it seemed that the artist was in a process of, of definition and I'm going to decide, like, from a position of power, I will decide who I am and... Mm. And that kind of, that's how I saw that. And the other exhibition, um, the video, I felt that elaborate structure in the video was an attempt to elevate uh, the dancer uh, to almost a place of honor. It was so elaborate and beautiful, the structure. And it was just one dancer, the same person, just mm. uh, multiplied. So and She's um, in this big niche. We see her there a lot, but then it's her again. Um, uh, on, the, yes. on the pedestals. Yes. And I around. felt that the framing, it just seemed to me it was all about kind of honoring uh, either people who decide to define themselves as they see fit and reassemble uh, what they want to keep, what they want to discard. But I definitely felt those elaborate frames and just the care that was taken with the subject matter was elevating it. And, and honoring it in a way that I don't think um, we normally see in our culture, so. Okay, cool, thank you. Now you had a thought, you were gonna put your hand up during the, when we were talking about collage, do you? I, did, wait. I did not address the uh, Vogue ball scene, oh, uh, was a subculture within a subculture. There was a strong racial aspect to it. Uh, especially at the time when it began. 
<coughs> I don't know. I didn't see the show, but I'm wondering if there was any reflection of that in the art. Well, um, it, it's a black subculture, and the artist is black, and the dancers are black. Um, it was a very segregated culture at one time in New York. I, I think it's, it's, it's always been a black subculture, although Madonna took up, did a song called Vogue, which was not about the magazine, but about the dance. But, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's, that was seen as cultural appropriation at the time, um, was it not, by, by people on the Vogue scene? Yes. So, yeah, I, I, um, maybe the, we didn't say black, but I think it's, it didn't, did it really need saying? I mean, it's, it's voguing, um, and the artist is black, the dancers are black. Um, do, do, do you have something to say about it? another layer of meaning to it, potential meaning to it. Oh, right. It, 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 it was a scene, the gay world, the trans world, has emerged from being a subculture, from being a secret into something much more widely seen and embraced. Yeah. And it, I didn't see the show, but it just seems like it's sort of ubiquitous now in many ways. Well, that might be a bit of a leap. Thank you, pardon. I guess it is a bit of a, not, yes. It might be true here in New York. Yes. But in big cities. Yeah, have, we, have we shirked our responsibility? Do, is there something here we need to, we didn't say uh, explicitly enough? Um, um, perhaps we didn't get to the heart of um, Newsom's. I mean, uh, the, it does beg a valid, a valid question if, if one can and should separate them out, but is, is Newsom's motivation, um, is he more exercised by issues of uh, sexuality or um, race, do we think? Well, I, I read an uh, interview on Hyperallergic with Barkley Hendricks, who recently had a show, and the interviewer asks him how he feels about blackness influencing his work, and he says, you know, I, I really wonder how many white artists get asked, like, how does whiteness influence your work? Mm -hmm. And it was just, like, such a relief to hear that for me. So I think it did good, David. Yeah, Worth asking. Um, I mean, in an interview... Uh, you know, I mean, Newsom says, well, uh, you know, I'm black and I'm queer and this is who I am and, uh, you know, more or less he just claims to make work about the things that touch him and the people that he sees around him that he f finds interesting and, mm -hmm. and so on. So in a way, uh, to a degree that I don't get from the work itself, uh, there's there's a kind of uh, a desired sense of a kind of immediacy of relation there. I think. So, our engagement should be with the artistry, or or with the the mood that it evokes, or uh, with whether the work is uh, transcendent, or uh, we should. The, the, there's, we sort of, we go down the wrong path with a kind of cultural anthropology 
or, or any or any or cultural or cultural studies even of um, of this imagery. Is that is that what we're saying? Well, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, but yes. it because uh, for me, as someone who is an outsider to things that he's an insider to, if I want to try and understand it, then I have to make a concerted effort to learn uh, yes. the codes, hmm. so to speak. So, uh, you know, it's not that those two things are in contradiction. That's true. But perhaps we shouldn't have... Well, no, I, I, don't, I think... I feel we did an okay job. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we unpackaged the, the cultural coding and, we at this and simultaneously... Uh, came to some sort of consensus, perhaps. No, no, I'm grateful to you for doing so. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. But I, I was left with a, a question because um, <coughs> the, for, for the, um, the guy with the elaborate frames, yeah, if I had, if I, if, you know, we didn't see the video, um, but l from this distance, looking at those photographs of work, I don't think I would have made any associations with voguing or any of the things that we've been talking about. I would have looked at that and I would have thought about spectacle and a consumer society and art as a, as, as, you know, a as a participating um, kind of um, problem in the consumer society and, you know, the elaborate frames and all that. It just, it didn't, I didn't see the, uh, the the voguing or the blackness, for that matter, in the images. Is did you see all those connections in there? Or was I just unable to pick out the detail, and so I missed a lot? But I think that's when we were talking initially about, um, you know, how it's it, for this show in particular. Like, it's helpful to have some kind of reference. Um, I think there were a couple of collages, um, if I remember correctly, that. Um, their, their, the poses of the figures were kind of, you know, frozen voguing moves in a sense. And so someone might have to know that or like, you know, recognize that, um, that symbol to see that. But, you know, again, like there's just so much that um, one might need to know to understand beforehand. So then, I, you know, I, it kind of takes me back to this sort of looping question of, you know, how much, how much you know, what's his responsibility or how much does he need to tell us to get you to that point where you can understand or that you want to find out more? Because, yeah, I think there were definitely some images that it's just kind of, you know, this nice pretty picture, or, you know, mm. some sort of um, some sort of fashion strike to pose. But then there were, you know, some other images that were specifically like, oh, that's a voguing move that, you know, or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it comes back the whether it's it comes back to that cis or trans question, but here it's also it's um, uh, voguing or dance in general question because um, you can read it as being a critique of uh, you, you, you'd see the kind of the, the lipstick and the hips as being a critique of sexism and consumerism uh, if uh, you were seeing through or past or in, uh, oblivious to if you were seeing them as um, women and not noticing their color, but if you do notice their color and do uh, 
uh, pay attention to the, the trans aspect, then what might have otherwise seemed a critique of glamour <coughs> becomes uh, a celebration of it. That's, that's I think, the... That's the that's the juggling act. So it it's a very it's a fascinating it's a case where um, context isn't all, but context is a sort of is the barometer is the it's context that determines where you go with the reading of it. Yes. Were there any uh, comments on uh, any other comments on either of these shows? Um, no. Cool. Okay. Well, um, then we should move to part two. So we're, we're moving now to see exhibitions of Shazad Dawood at um, uh, an, an architecture at Jane Lombard Gallery and Jessica Weiss pin the tail on the tiger at Outlet Brooklyn. Um, so a felicitous uh, coupling of, of, of exhibitions uh, dealing with fabric, um, perhaps. But let's start with uh, Dawood in, in Chelsea, uh, a British artist of, of Pakistani um, origin. Um, when I visited the gallery with, uh, uh, on my own, but Barry came in a few minutes later, we seemed to be chasing each other around Chelsea that morning. Um, the gallery enthusiastically brought out the artist to meet us and um, um, it's, it's always a little uneasy to know whether one. I mean, I, I'm not frightened of artists, but um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's interesting when you know you're in a gallery specifically to review a show when when the artist comes out. I mean, it's, uh, um, we could have a whole debate about that. But um, we met him, a very urbane gentleman, a very um, very well qualified with a PhD in visual studies and. Um, seems to have been to every trendy art school and university in the British Isles. Um, but certainly has a PhD and <laughs> certainly um, uh, very erudite about the, the sources of his uh, fabrics and, and the, 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 the politics and culture of it. Um, uh, not the politics so much as the, uh, the, um, the art history of it, in a way, of, of his materials. Um, did learning all this enrich the experience, Barry, or um, did it redeem it? Did it uh, make it deeper? What, what what happened to you when you found out some of the stuff we found out from... Um, well, it certainly Shazad. changed how I looked at it. I mean, when... Uh, I mean... You know, when I went to the show at the ARR gallery, I, you know, the moment I walked in, I was, I knew that I was looking at something uh, that was uh, research-based, so to speak. Uh, when I walked into this show, I didn't know I was walking into something, uh, you know, a research-based uh, practice. Mm. You know, the the paintings are very colorful and decorative, and um, they they don't on the surface uh tell you you know how much knowledge the the artist has actually kind of invested in in making them uh now then the question becomes well did that make me actually appreciate the work more uh and i have to say in a certain way uh no i mean it made me 
uh, it made me appreciate him as an erudite person mm-hmm. and uh, think it would be very interesting to you know to speak to him at greater length and so on uh, but it didn't actually um, make me more involved in in the artwork that he was drawing right out of this and so um, I mean for instance uh, just to kind of I, I'm not sure how much of what he explained I can remember and maybe you'll remember more than I did because he also I think you spoke to him for longer than I did but uh, for instance the the fabrics on which he is uh, painting are ones that come from a very particular period uh, when they were um, they were uh, made and printed in Pakistan for uh, a non-aligned market. Yeah, for I mean, basically, so t- yeah, the 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 you know other countries of what was then called the third world. Yes, um, which means not aligned with either the Soviet Union or the United States. So. Um, uh, even though they were printed, uh, they were made in a certain way, uh, in a certain place, and interpreted to some degree by the people who manufactured them. They were manufactured according to demand that came from elsewhere. But then uh, Pakistan's situation in the kind of geopolitical yeah. uh, system changed. It became allied with the Western world, and then with the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. That market uh, went away, uh, and they began to produce other kinds of uh, fabrics instead, yes. which are not the ones that he used. So, I mean, just to, to have that is, is, all s- is interesting. And then it was interesting on in itself, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that he was describing a situation where uh, Pakistan went from just producing for a domestic market... Well, not with domestic, with an international... No, no, oh, no, no, oh, no. Oh, I no. see. Yeah, uh, I see. F- initially yeah. went from producing uh, tribal um, work for a domestic market to being an industrial scale of production, mm-hmm. but obviously initially influenced by tribal traditions, and then um, started producing for this uh, international market, but of a this uh, non-aligned economy. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have somebody coming from, uh, them, I mean, Japan is aligned, but they were making some design for the Japanese market uh, with particular motifs sent sent by Japan. Mm -hmm. Then somebody, a buyer, came in from Brazil and said, or Nigeria maybe, and said, oh, I love that uh, design, but can you do it in a more jazzy color that would be suitable for our market? And so you had this uh, hybrid, and you also had the uh, traditional makers coming, uh, setting up their tents or whatever, next to the factory, and, and you had this interesting interaction between the two. Then, with the, with the Soviet invasion, the whole market moved to making textiles for America, and it, it changed. And so that's only one level. Then we have the, this other level, which is referred to in the, the show title, and architecture, mm. which is that he's also investigating architecture, and the par- apparently the, the patterns uh, that he's painted on top of these uh, are referential to... Uh, you know, uh, some very interesting design of sun louvers that were made for uh, a building, I think, in Chandigarh in... uh In India. In India. So an architect who had worked with Frank Lloyd Wright uh, on the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo and fell out with him, then 
went and worked for Corbusier and mm-hmm. Chandigarh and designed louvers. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the louvers are then the motif that he picks up. So, so yeah, it's a whole sort of iconology of uh, fabrics and louvers and what have you. And so it made me very impressed by him and wanting to look harder at the work but um, than I might initially have done with a couple of neons and four or five fabric pieces. Mm-hmm. But maybe ignorance is bliss. So, Joan, what, what reaction did you have for this exhibition? Well, it's great to listen to you talk about all this information that's yeah, that's what behind it. Is. it. Yeah, that's all it is, really, isn't it's it? It's just information, and, mm. you know, information is an art. So that was the problem for me there. Yeah. It's like... Um, I thought the paintings were really handsome and like some of his, you know, just formal manipulation of the paint was interesting. The way it it skimmed on the surface and what you don't see in the photographs is that there's a stitching and colored um, thread that gives a real texture to these, these paintings. So they're very handsome, they're rich, you get up close, like like all the textures and colors are really extremely satisfying when you're looking at the paintings and but you know like I th- it's interesting to talk about this after the last exhibition because the last exhibition was so pared down but there was a plethora of interrelationships between the elements that were composing that installation and here it was like a dearth of relationships so for me that that meant that there wasn't a lot of processing of that information that went mm. on, and mm. I think that's something has to happen wha- in the making of the work for it to be interesting for anybody to look at. It can't be just a compilation of information coming from an erudite source. Right, right. Did 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 um, do you agree with that, um, uh, Leanne, or did you have a, um, a richer experience with this work? No, um, I agree with a lot of what Joan was saying. Um, you know, like as objects, those paintings were very nice. I thought they were very lovely. Um, you know, and then on my way out, looking at the the press release and sort of trying to figure out what what is is there or is there deeper meaning to these things? You know, and understanding <coughs> that he's you know um, working with um, modernist architecture in India and these um, other kinds of things. But you know when I, when I you know when I step away from that or when I you know I'm not looking at the information after the fact, you know I, it was just kind of like well that's that's really nice and that's really interesting like there's you know something, um, something you know pleasing and pleasant that you you know that has been done uh, you know I think about the paintings the way that you know he handled the material like oh it looks like uh, you know a block print of fabric or something that's that's kind of cool. The the neons, I'm, I you know was thinking I don't understand, um, you know after reading that of like oh that's what that was, but it didn't really do a whole lot for me <laughs> in that sense. So yeah, I think there is also that that question or that tension of you know there's all this information that comes and informs it, but you know there has to be some kind of relationship that one can kind of grasp as you're looking at the objects as well, because what, you know, like that's really nice um, afterward, but, you know, if you can't sort of get that, or even like part of it right away when you're looking at the things, 
you know, then, then who is that for? What is it for? Because they are in this space. They are to be looked at. They are to be engaged with. So that just brings up those kinds of questions for me. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I, I left a little hungry by, um, I would have been starving without meeting the artist, but then I was kind of, having met the artist, hungry because I kind of, really liked the artist and what he was saying and it sounded, I thought, wow, you've got all the ingredients there to make a feast. And um, It's another one of these instances <laughs> of uh, the question of sort of how the artist is positioning himself with respect mm. to his material and it's as if this guy is two people. He's a scholar and he's an esthete and the scholar and the esthete coexist, but they don't, they don't unite or, you know, they don't get together. Yes. And so, yeah, there's this very, uh, you know, there's a real finesse that he has yeah. as a painter, you know, which is, I think, undeniable, but, but it's, but it's doesn't, it's not given depth by the, by the kind of subject matter, uh, nor is the subject matter really communicated by the aesthetic. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some degree of um, interaction with the architecture of the gallery itself. Um, that, that although the, the the source references for these uh, fabric works, I mean paintings on applique mm -hmm. um, collage. I mean um, their placement, the particular, well, rather the the height at which they're placed mm -hmm. with the uh, is is is. Um, uh, acknowledges the irregularity of the ceiling and the um, slight sort of the brutalism light of the interior mm -hmm. of the the gallery with its exposed concrete and uh, white fixtures, mm -hmm. um, but not enough to really redeem. Well, I could pick up on something Barry said about the about them and about the the aesthete and the. Scholar, and I, I feel like you really hit on the core problematic of this work is that it didn't get integrated. It's like you have all these patterns, but the pattern never accedes to the level of form. So mm -hmm. there's no integration. And that, that to me was the problem. And then the title was like, where was that title coming from? And I found that like when I saw that on there, I thought, oh, this is going to be like uh, some kind of... Um, riff on or critique of uh, Mata Clark's an architecture group mm -hmm. from the 70s and and then you get there and it has nothing to do with that and I thought that was to me it was very confusing and um, I think a bad choice in a way to take a word I mean it, it's one thing if there's a title that's a word that everybody knows but an architecture was such a specific mm. Yeah, group of people, and um, I think the architect was um, um, uh, Raymond. That's the name. Of the but architect. he was an architect. He wasn't an anarchitect. <laughs> no, but he had nothing to do with with uh, the anti-architectural. And in thing. fact, he he criticized Frank Lloyd Wright for his insensitivity towards Japanese architecture, and that's why he was dismissed. Yes, and I th I found it very interesting that that the insensitivity towards the an architecture group in huh. the ch in the choice of the title there 
um, I don't know, that was maybe the most interesting point of integration for me mm. within the, that visit to that gallery and looking at that exhibition. A moment of tension. Yes. Finally. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so I wonder then, our, our final show then is, uh, is Jessica Weiss, uh, Pin the Tail on the Tiger, um, out in the, the depths of Bushwick in, um, um, yeah, at the outlet, Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I thought this would be interesting to see if the panelists share with me a... Um, the very different sensibility at play and the different attitude towards uh, fabric. Um, there's no uh, scholarly holding off here. You don't need to um, hear pa from from Jessica Weiss that um, these are um, uh, designs by so and so who studied with such and such. Although and maybe she could, if or she if could she maybe, but but we don't, we don't need it. it necessarily, do we? Um, Barry, what was your what was what was your feeling when you got to Bushwick? Um, you know, I was not so, uh, convinced by the paintings, uh, and, and again, it's one of these, I mean, it seems, seems like it's a riff that we're coming back to. Uh, I felt there was a certain disconnect. There was, uh, I was very interested in the, um, simply the elaborateness of the facture Mm -hmm. of the paintings and th you know the the way she integrated uh uh printed and painted and collaged things in such a kind of uh synthetic way um but i felt like it was the the kind of almost intensity of that was belied by the kind of cutesy subject imagery. Um, and so I felt that there was a kind of irresolution there for me. But on the other hand, with the, the drawings that we see uh, some of now that were exhibited on top of this, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure exactly how it was printed, kind of wall, you know, strip of wallpaper, uh, I could really get into the drawings on a different level because um, the um, you know the the sort of spontaneity of her handling of line and so on yes. uh, just went immediately to uh, to the motifs that she was working with and it just kind of clicked. Yes, a very childlike vocabulary, uh, Leanne. Um, uh, perhaps in response to the fabric, or perhaps the fabric chosen to complement that that vision. Um, what did you feel about her relationship to her materials? Um, I thought it it seemed to work for me. I think I was surprised. Actually, I wasn't um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. You know, when I was looking at information of you know how do I get here and <laughs> um, looking online, I couldn't quite tell what was happening. But I, I think you know once I got in and I saw it, it seemed uh, to make sense. You know um, the the wallpaper, you know these these kind of kid kitty drawings. Um, to me, it sort of spoke to a lot of about um, you know kind of dealing with um, issues of gender or you know or 
domestic spaces or you know thinking about you know she's a she's a woman and she's a painter I think that's this typically sort of uh, masculine area traditionally and you know she's kind of turning that a little bit by you know putting these things on wallpaper this sort of you know domestic slash girly kind of thing you know these elaborate uh, patterns and you know dealing with um, this you know very childlike tiger drawing that's kind of keep um, coming up. So I think, I mean, that's what I, I think I, I got from it, and it, it seemed to work in that sense. Um, the playfulness, um, the, you know, the idea that she's sort of dealing with um, domesticity and um, home spaces to me, interior, um, exterior kinds of issues and gender. Um, maybe I wanted all those things to be there, but... Um, gender in particular because of the... Yeah, I think just, you know, because it was like a childlike drawing, mm -hmm. um, wallpaper, you know, I think like home space is typically, uh, we see it as a female domain. Right, um, right. Yeah, I, I was just struck by the, the, the sheer audacity and ingenuity of, of, of much of her handling of materials. Those great big pushpins uh, became like almost animated elements, not just a way to get fabric onto the into the painting, but... Uh, at one point became the, the point where the tail meets the body or the uh, serves as an eye in one of them. Um, the, the, the richness of the, 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 the stencil printing, um, um, arabesques, um, going from one painting to another. Um, it seemed actually that she, within her chosen medium that she was making dense, rich painting. Would, would you agree with that? John. Yeah, yeah, I would. I I was um, pleasantly surprised when I went out there because, like Leanne, I didn't I didn't know what to expect. And when you see the images online, it's very graphic, and it seemed like it could be something which didn't go beyond its pattern, uh, kind of obsession. Mm. And I found that, in fact, when I spent time there. It, and it wasn't an effort, you know, sometimes you have to make yourself look at something and try to figure out what it's about, but I found this work really opened up for me pretty easily, and as I spent time there and I just started writing, uh, it brought a lot of questions to mind. Uh, like Barry, I really liked the drawings a lot. I felt they were really funny, and I could see her posing, like I felt her posing a lot of questions, and kind of like as I kind of deconstructed those paintings um, and the way you spoke about them is integrating all these different approaches. In the integration, you're confronted with all these edges. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, what are her edges that she's really, you know, on, in, on the level of content? Like, what are the edges that she's really interested in? And I found this, like, joy ride, this one that's up there now, really hilarious, like like to ride on your animal part of your nature and how crazy that is and mm -hmm. what's the edge between being an animal and being a human we're animals too and like these kind of boundaries to me were permeable in this work in a way that opened up a lot for me to think about while I was looking at it so I really appreciated it and I felt that the drawings kind of worked much faster and reinforced mm the kind of things that the paintings were giving me. So um, just in relation to what I said earlier about pattern and form, I felt like the, the pattern really 
achieved a level of form that allowed me to like read it in a greater depth than the la the other show we talked about yeah. which for me just didn't make it to that level right right more hands on and less um conceptually underpinned yeah but you could feel like there was a conceptual framework yes. for it but it wasn't i think the difference for me i would articulate a little differently it was like there wasn't a lot of the information that was in in the works had all been processed so that mm -hmm. she had worked through them so you didn't receive like just you know the fabric or the pattern mm -hmm. all the things were were the informations w were integrated with one another and speaking to one another in a way that generated something greater it's it's as if actually um she's freer with the materials than Darwood because um, uh, she's um, um, able to deploy it as painting. I mean, it, she, she's, you, you, you still get the, all the advantages, the qualities of the, the collage source, but she uses it with the freedom as if she was just dipping her paint onto a palette, her brush into a palette. I don't know. I mean, I think you're exaggerating. I mean, I think you're exaggerating a little bit. You know, yes. I think she goes further than he does. Uh, but with the paintings, as opposed to the drawings, not far enough for me. It still, it still seemed a little bit stiff in terms of how how those things were put together and hostage uh, to its material. And you could say that, yeah. Uh, where, you know, and somehow to me the drawings confirmed that, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's further to go right. uh, with in this direction somehow for her. Right. Well, that's, we all want somewhere further to go. So I think that's a rather positive note. Let's, let's see what our audience um, has to say about, um, about, uh, our last two shows about Shawwood and Weiss. Um, the, the mic is ready for you. Um, yes, uh, Peter. Uh, could we say that one show was uh, rather, shall we say, fake, and the other one was more real, because one was uh, full of footnotes? One is one what, truly What The Dawu show was full of, full of footnotes, I mean, full of references, but don't know what's happening, and the um, Vice show is much more uh, genuine. She is fully engaged in making this work, so and I don't know what the scholarship behind it might be. Uh, I'll give you a little, little fact. Uh, I worked with Gordon Matt Clark a long time ago, and I have written to his widow about this title and architecture, and she intends to take a legal action uh, on it, and she finds it to be really uh, quite incorrect that a um, fairly well-known term invented by a fairly well-known artist would be appropriated by another artist uh, in a way which is completely unrelated and which is more or less like cultural kind of footnote dabbling. Oh, I'll find a term here, I'll find an idea there, I'll do something about the non-aligned movement here, and I'll have some colors that. And it's very um, dishonest, whereas I think the Vice show is very honest. 
Yeah, no tigers are going to sue her. Right. Okay. William Blake, uh, his estate might have something to say. Him, yeah, maybe. That's not, not spelt with a, with a Y, though. It's spelt with oh. an I, so she's okay. <laughs> yeah, but in a way, I mean, the term anarchist, I wouldn't want to be... I'd be interested to be on the jury, but I wouldn't want to be an expert witness in this case if it does come to court, because um, it's, it's, it may be a, a neologism that was coined by that particular group at that particular moment, but um, it's a l you can just put A, or if it's got a vowel at the beginning of the word, A-N, in front of any word in the language to, to make it its negative corollary, can't, can't you? And, and so come on really patent something as, as, as syntactically basic as putting, you know, we are the review panel, so if you wanted to just have something that's like anti-review panel, it could be a review panel, a the review panel, <laughs> uh, uh, but, but squashed together in such a way that it's uh, the negation of review <coughs> panels. I, I'm sorry to tell you, David, that even if somebody just wanted to have a review panel and call it that, yes. since, since you haven't copyrighted or trademarked it, as oh, far we as have. we know. We have. If you go to artcritical.com, you'll see at the bottom it says, Art Critical, artcritical.com, and the review panel, trademark. Ah, okay. Very smart. And, and, and on our stationaries, we, we have new stationaries just been designed, and uh, <laughs> it says at the Use bottom... Use mail? Uh, we don't... Just to write threatening letters to people who call themselves review panel. The, the stationery is <laughs> only there to, to, to write to people who infringe our trademarks. Yes, okay. that's right. But it has trademarks at the bottom in nice grey letters. And but these are very important issues. These are much more important than aesthetics or criticism. Thank you. But, but, but uh, on your hand, no, I think uh, uh, Peter Friend's point is, 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 uh, is well taken. Um, and Mrs. Matter Clark can get on to um, a lawyer. Okay, uh, more, more comments, queries, questions about either of these shows. Um, or are we just dying to take advantage of the nice spring light? I think we've reached our natural end, and that was a, a, a stimulating conversation. Thank you very much. Now, I will... Perhaps, as we are finishing on time for a change, let me just take a moment to say something about, you all picked up a card on your way in for the next panel, I hope. That's great. So, um, don't be intimidated by the quantity of um, exhibitions that we have listed. It, it will fall into a natural um, review panel length uh, event, um, because we're looking at two of the shows that we're mentioning here, Martin Perrier's piece at Madison Square Park, and Cornelia Parker um, on the roof of the Met. Those are single piece um, exhibitions and will naturally be considered together. Um, and uh, Rodney McMillian um, actually has two exhibitions concurrently, uh, one at the Studio Museum of Harlem and one at MoMA PS1, um, which actually form a kind of troika of current shows with the ICA show in Philadelphia, which uh, the the review panel Philadelphia actually considered on our last um, panel. No, we didn't. No, we didn't? No. We, I wish we had, but... Uh, Rodney McMillian? No. It wasn't, it wasn't one of the ones we talked about on the panel. Even uh, it was the there, panel before. It, it was on view, uh, and I saw it the day of our panel, but... Uh, oh, that's right. But, no, but, uh, sorry, 
it was the last review panel in Philadelphia, but you weren't on that. You were on the penultimate last. Ah. You were on the review panel before the last review I panel. See. So, yes, Barry was a guest uh, on the review panel in Philadelphia in March, I think, or February. But in March, um, uh, Ken Johnson was the critic who came down to Philadelphia, and we did indeed look at Macmillan. This is all even more excruciatingly pedantic than the trademarking <laughs> of uh, the report important that you realize that, that we have yeah. to bring art criticism to Philadelphia. Yes, yes. Uh, although um, a very distinguished critic has come from Chicago to, to New York. So it's, uh, New York doesn't want to get too, too, too big in its boots about this. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, go see all these shows and come and see us for our final um, bash for the season on Friday, 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 June the 10th. Not Tuesday. See you.